You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, that's Lisa Journey. Welcome to the Get Fucking Real Show. And today's episode is a a bit of a mind bender. And I invite you to have an open heart around it. Some of our episodes, it's easy to fall in love with the person who is sharing their struggle, you know, and have a lot of compassion for them. Some of our episodes, it's a little different, like episode number six with Andrea J. Lee called From Abuser to Activist. She's so darling. Um, It's easy to soften up pretty quickly, but when you think about the fact that she is admitting that she abused her husband, that's something to think about. Well, today's guest was accused of sexual misconduct, and that can be a reason to not want to listen. And I think that there are lots of you who have done things that have been labeled as horrible or against the law or not nice. And you've learned from it and you can and maybe are potentially using it as you know, for good and not evil. And I feel like that is part of our divine right is to fucking learn the hard way and use that in the next iteration of our mission and how we're serving the world. So how would you react if you were accused of sexual misconduct? Well, many of you probably would want to explain why it's not true or defend because you can't even possibly imagine how you can do such a thing being who you are, right? And that was Reed Mahalko's story. He actually is a sex educator teaching about consent, right? Talk about the world's ironies. And he's a good friend of mine. And when he was accused and this was blowing up the internet, in the circles, you know, that we run and it's sort of like big fish, small pond type of thing. When it was blowing up, I had so much empathy. And also I noticed my own reactions to it. It's like, could it be true? And oh my gosh. And, you know, and all that. So he talks about the willingness to get uncomfortable with ourselves. Like, and he asks, how, how uncomfortable are you willing to get? in order to make amends, in order to create healing. And 
I took that away as something I can use in my everyday life. Like how uncomfortable am I willing to get as a parent? How uncomfortable am I willing to get as a wife, as a girlfriend? How uncomfortable am I willing to get as an entrepreneur in order to make amends, clean up messes, and to create healing wherever possible? And I think it's a beautiful conversation that I get to bring you. And uh, so let me tell you a little bit, a little bit more about Reed. So he's been called for many, many years America's favorite sex geek. His workshops have been taught all over the world. And the early, in early 2018, at the height of the Me Too movement, some very brave people came forward sharing harms that he had caused them. Blindsided by this new information, and with the help of his sex educator community, he stepped down from teaching sex education and initiated a restorative justice-based accountability process to address the harm and make amends if and where possible. The formal process was done publicly, and now a year later, he has returned to teaching and also now advocating for the restorative, transformative justice-based accountability process. We have linked in the show notes to a blog where it is 100% transparent, the process that he went through, what he was accused of, what the accusations sounded like. He solicited additional stories through this process and with the help of his, his community. And it just, it gives me hope that these movements where we have uncovered and are shedding a spotlight on things that many people are ashamed of or have been victimized by, it gives me hope that there is a reparation process around it. And I really applaud Reed. And this is one of his, if not the first interview that he's given post this process. And in the format of our show, we often share these wormhole, GFR wormhole kind of stories. And then we share like ultimately what the purpose of it was for. And we don't have part two of this story. This is part one. And I intend to follow up with Reed in a bit and see how this is serving his work as a sex educator and and you can get hints of it but you never know you just really never know um and he obviously was like appointed um and anointed with this with this journey as many of our guests have been what else do i want to share with you about him i want to share that he he focuses on skills designed to help everyone be the change they want to see in the bedroom, which I love. It's a really cute way of saying it. And he has been seen at colleges all over the United States. He has appeared on in media such as um, Netflix, Chelsea Does with Chelsea Handler. He's been on Oprah's Own America with Lisa Ling on the Own Network. He's been on the Emmy-winning Montel show. He's been on Dr. Phil. I mean, the, actually, the, the media accolades go on and on. So let's just to say, yeah, he's been super successful in what, he, what he's accomplished. And you'll get a peek into what it's like for somebody who has accomplished so much to be so blindsided by something and then what it's like to come out the other end, at least initially. And then we'll follow up with him to see really where ultimately this has served him. So I hope that you have the open heart that I have, or at least, you know, partially open heart to hear his story and to maybe put yourself in his shoes and to take what he shares and see where it could apply in your life, particularly around how uncomfortable are you willing to get in order to create healing and transformation for you and people around you. All right. I look forward to meeting Mr. Reed Mahalko. 
Reed Mahoko, welcome to GFR. We're so happy to have you here. It's really a pleasure to be here, Lisa. It's good to see you. Oh my gosh. You, you are one of the people that when I was birthing the concept of this show, I thought, okay, who do I want on the show who I know are living this, living the premise of the show and who, who I want to give a megaphone to their journey? Because I know that what they're going through is, is, is exactly their divine purpose and will give people hope and all that. And you were top of the list, my friend. So I am honored to have you here. And I, you know, and I want to let people know that, you know, when we have our guests, they are, in, they are usually much further out from the, you know, that confession story that they're sharing. They're usually, you know, yeah, they're just usually further out from it in terms of time. But I feel mm-hmm. like you, as you have said to me in preparation for this interview, you feel like you were divinely prepared to go through what you went through. And I feel like the result is that you've metabolized the experience perhaps a little bit quicker than others might. And so you can be here and share this. Well, and, and the paint is still wet on all this. Like we're only a few months out from the stuff that we'll be talking about. Like, and, and out being like, this this journey never ends, but the you know at some point the cement is safe to walk on, but but it just got poured and and yeah. it's been a hell of a year. So yeah. I appreciate you being willing to talk about it while it's still fresh, because I think that's going to be useful for people. Yes, and I appreciate you being willing to talk about while it's still fresh. So this is this Thanks. is the merging of our of our missions, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Some sometimes getting getting fucking real means means talking about it while it's happening. Sometimes it means learning when to talk about it afterwards. Sometimes it's also I think understanding like how much time you need to metabolize the word that you use to metabolize the things. Um, and I think in these instances, what like especially the reason I wanted to say yes to your podcast is, I think all those three things are happening to people all at once in, in real life. And um, from a Me Too perspective and from somebody who is accused and, and, you know, and owns the, the um, phrase transgressor, like the best thing I can do is point people to experts who can help them and support them because I'm not the expert. But, but the thing I can do is say, this is how it was for me going through all of this and even after my accountability process was done, I'm still going, like, I'm the common denominator for my experience through the whole thing. And so there's a weird, like, business part of it is like, well, how do I position this? And I'm like, okay, slow down. I get that we're all marketers. And I get that we're all trying to share and change people's lives and add value. And there is a time to just pause and not be trying to turn this into a product. And there's value in sharing with people what's happening for you in case they ever go on this journey. So like I'm phasing in and out of how do I help and how do I share, but I'm also not profiteering. Like it's, it's all of it's happening all at once. And it's a very unique personal and career thing because sent as part of what I do. And I was called out for sexual misconduct and, and then went through a whole thing. So like, I, for everyone listening and watching, I just hope this is useful for you. And I apologize if I could have done it better. Nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. So let's 
talk about it. So, you know, you called yourself a transgressor. You talked about being accused. You know, they heard in the intro, you know, that you've been called America's favorite sex geek. What did, so we all want to talk about the before and the after. So the first question is like, what did your business, your life look like before what I would call your GFR wormhole? Like we have GFR moments, which are like the moment of something needs to change. This doesn't feel good, you know, and then there's the wormhole where it just, you diving in and you're in that big transformation. So mm-hmm. I want to I want to talk about what did your life and your business look like before and then I want to hear um, what you're willing to share. Today. Sure. So what my life looked like before me too. So just so that everybody knows I'm clearly labeled as a sex geek. Um <laughs> and my websites read about sex, so like the sex is very in everyone's face because I am personally very promiscuous in several open relationships and very out about those things. And I work with middle America and corporate America. And like I work with helping people design relationships that will bring them the most for fulfillment. So I'm way out on the, on the um, bell curve uh, around this is reads crazy life of threesomes and whatever. It's all the same skills, even if you're monogamous, want to be married, go to church on Sunday, like asking for what you want and living an authentic, self-expressed life in relationships and connection and collaboration with other human beings, especially around intimacy and romance, like that's my jam. I'm just doing it. I'm running several startups at the same time um, and going public all at the same time. So I'm, maybe I'm an overachiever that's what makes me happiest. And I think people who have more, yeah, I think people who have one kid, let alone five, I think you're all overachievers because parenting is not my jam. But for parents, like, who's that's their self-expression, it's wonderful and it cracks them open. Yeah. So my life, my life and my career was traveling around the world, speaking to audiences, to college age audiences, to adults, designing online programs, um, being on Netflix and doing things with Chelsea Handler and Lisa Ling, actually throwing an Oprah-approved orgy for Lisa Ling when she was on the OWN network so that they could film it. <laughs> Oprah um, so I think I might, orgy. Nice. <laughs> well, it went, it went up the ladder and it got greenlit. Um, so I, I will say, I mean, if Oprah wants to call me up and say, please stop saying that, that's fine. But it was for her network. I assume someone uh, or... Oprah herself put the, the green light on that. Um, so I think it's an accurate statement. Absolutely. So, so that was my life. Um, and I was also, you know, nerding out on how in, a, in the sex ed world, where a lot of explicit conversation about adult topics is labeled as um, adult content and you can't buy ad words or Facebook ads and, and run a, uh, something on Instagram, like, there was a lot of business considerations on how do you build organic traffic and build a career, which I became very good at. And so there was also a whole part of my career around helping other sex educators build their careers and leverage the social media and online marketing. Um, And that's, you know, how you and I kind of our worlds collided. So like all my life was just very much in this flow state of, being open and sharing with people the tools that helped me avoid all the pain and discomfort I saw my mom and dad go through because they didn't know how to talk 
and they didn't know how to navigate difficult conversations and they hid a lot of stuff from each other and from us, their sons, my, my three brothers and I. And so like my life just became about like, I saw my mom and dad madly in love with each other, but just make each other mad. And I was like, there's gotta be a way to love like they loved, but not destroy each other. And so my entire life is about that which was why it was so painful when I found out from my community that there was a lot of things no one had been telling me for years. But I also had this weird orientation that telling me your truth, even when it threatens my identity um, as a good person, telling me the truth, even when it's incredibly difficult to hear, there's a deep piece of me because of how I grew up that I'm relieved that anyone's telling me the truth and that was my foot in the door for responding to the accusations, which I take, you know, I, I take responsibility for regardless of what I think about the accuracy of anything. And that's a whole conversation about why we should believe survivors. And then we're on, on the roller coaster of Me Too and trying to like show up and be accountable and make amends. And what ends up being a way of looking at living your life, maybe running your business, uh, and just being a human being uh, from, a, from a perspective of harm reduction. Thank you so much for sharing um, with such candor. And so to, to accentuate the turning point, so you were in this awesome flow state of building this business and learning how to navigate, how to be this, the, the expert in the, you know, sex educator expert, and then even help other sex educators because you got so good at navigating and growing your business. And, you know, our audience is entrepreneurs. So, you know, in essence, everybody we're interviewing is, is on that mission of building a business. That's a calling. That's a purpose. And thank you for mm -hmm. sharing about your parents, because it's like, what does drive us? What keeps us going? Mm -hmm. And then to and then something happened that sort of changed everything for you. So can you kind of take us? Can you take us to yeah. that sort of that time? So for those of you who are like watching the show um, and listening, and you have your uh, a screen by, um, you can go to tinyurl.com forward slash read r e i d accountability, and that will bring you to the blog that was. Basically, we made the entire process transparent. And, and, and that will be in our show notes, the links, all these links. Yeah. yeah. So what happened, uh, it's all cataloged there. So that's why I'm dropping in the URL. Um, and what happened was somebody that had been a friend of mine for, for many years, uh, the first day we met, there was uh, sex involved, um, which is not uncommon for me around, you know, being super slutty and promiscuous and, and hanging out with, with uh, people who enjoy that. And, but we're pro sluts on this show. We're, we're pro sluts. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I feel seen. <laughs> um, but the way that we got to that exchange, I wasn't, I wasn't tracking power dynamics in, in a complete enough way and so what ended up happening was this wonderful human being felt pressured and coerced into, um, into the sex and didn't tell me for eight years 
And so I, and that's not on her. Like I understand why people don't tell people things. And I found out about this exchange from a journalist who was interviewing me about my thoughts on consent on and off porn sets and also wanted me to address this accusation. So all these years later um, from a journalist, I found out that this thing happened and my friend who I guess now would not be my friend um, felt coerced. And so that's how I found out about it. Now this was happening during the, the height of me too. And with me being uh, a very promiscuous person, it, it would be improbable if after all these years, I didn't fuck something up wrong or make the wrong call or, or miss some valuable piece of information. Um, so there was a part of me that wasn't surprised that there, that there was an accusation. I was surprised that it was with this person and, and so I also missed an opportunity to, to do what was a, to respond appropriately in the interview. I mean, the, all of it, I regret. I go in waves of feeling horrible about it and, you know, ashamed and grieving and sad and angry at myself and all the, thi- all the things that are human. And that was the beginning of, okay, what now? Like, how do you respond appropriately? And, you know, the, the interview itself, which was for the Daily Beast, you know, I, I wish there's a lot of things I regret. I mean, obviously, I regret that anybody feels harmed. I have remorse that anyone feels harmed. Um, and I want to step forward and make amends. And I'm certainly grateful for all the brave individuals who came forward and shared their stories. Um, and we'll talk about the, how we collected more stories and how my community supported the survivors. You know, so there's, there's all this regret and remorse. And the reason I'm sharing this is if you're feeling ashamed and you're feeling like regret and remorseful and you want to, you know, you know respond and you wished it never happened, um, like that's, those are good signs. That means you're a human being and not a, a sociopath. Um, and there's a really fine line between when you get accused to how our knee-jerk reaction is to defend ourselves or explain ourselves. Um, and it really is about you developing an ability to sit in all the uncomfortable and just slow everything down and just be in that. And so kind of all this came at me really fast and I had some of the beginnings of trying not to have a knee jerk response and try to sit with the discomfort. And then I was very lucky that I had people in my community who are super thoughtful and nerdy about this kind of stuff to, to support me who are very thoughtful about harm reduction and helping survivors. Um, I was very lucky to have those people in my community who chose to support me through the rest of what would come next in this process. And it's like you're the best person that this could have happened to as crazy as that fucking sounds, but it, and it, it is like you are the best person as that could have happened to because of the way, and you're going to share it with people kind of, you know, what you discovered, you know, this process that you've discovered and now you're an advocate for that helps, you know, people that have been accused. And 
but it's like it's like you you were perfectly prepared if anybody could possibly be perfectly prepared for something like this to then be able to to live it and then be able to fucking talk about it you know and and to we don't want to talk about profiting from it let's instead really talk about what all mission-driven entrepreneurs, I think, ultimately want is to serve and help, right? And, and money and those types of things are all, often secondary, even if not on our radar sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, but it is about being of service. And so to, 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 listen, to listen to this and to just to, watch, to see now some of the trajectory, because you're still living this in a, in a major way, but to see just even just with this one interview, how what you've gone through will serve um, and, you know, and the ripple effects of that is, um, you know, is what we're all about here. And uh, I just, again, I thank you for being here and what you're willing to, and saying some of these things for the first time in, you know, in an interview. And um, yeah, so then, so, so you were, you had this community around you that knew what the fuck to do was, you know, for you, which, you know, like, what a, what an amazing blessing. And of course, you know, friends, you know, as a friend of yours, um, that is not necessarily sort of in the inner circle of your friends that you, you know, talk to super often, but, um, you know, so, so helpless to watch it going down in the media. Like I've never, I've never had such, I've never had a really good friend of mine be part of something that was so public and sort of like impersonal in the way that it was, um, being, um, you know, it was radiating on social media and all these things. And, and, you know, and, uh, it was, it was quite a thing, you know, um, it's, and and you probably are experiencing now as you're talking more and more people, how they've experienced this, you know, how they experienced your experience, right? I mean, all of our experiences are, there's multiple layers of how people experience, you know, our experiences. And uh, so I, for, I sure, for sure had my own experience watching mm-hmm. your experience. But um, anyway, so I would, I would love for you to share a little bit now about you sort of this, you know, you're, you are now an advocate for this, you know, way of approaching these things that I would love for you to talk about. Yeah. So thank you for that. And, and where, it's, where this is most challenging for me um, on the other side of things is like, I'm an intellectual nerd. And so I like processing and thinking out loud and deconstructing things and then reassembling them and deconstructing them again. And then looking at it from a different angle, which is useful in some ways as a teacher, um, but also can be really tricky to um, to talk about because am I making it about me? Am I a, am I am I intellectualizing as a coping mechanism right. to not actually show up and be responsible? Like so, all those things, all those plates are spinning at the same time. And one of the things that can be most not most important, but like something useful and interesting to pay attention to is which plate should you be focusing on? And to just use analogies, because I'm a dork, um, if you are the person being accused, the plates you should be focusing on are the survivors. Those ones, when you focus on yourself, 
and protecting yourself, what happens is those plates fall off and then they shatter, like for lack of a, using the analogy. So how do you keep survivors, um, which is the phrase I'll be using, um, and language is always shifting and changing. So like that's tricky. Right. I hang out with people who love shifting and changing language. So like it's, I'm used to this. Like there are a lot of things a lot of pieces for me intellectually and somatically that I was somewhat literate and comfortable with so that I came into this scenario um, in a, with a different kind of resiliency yes. um, than a lot of other people. And so what happened for me was as this process, you know, came at me, right. Cause it, it felt like that, like my community was, shocked, appalled, pissed. These are not quiet people on the internet. Um, <laughs> like there was so much energy coming at me. Um, but there was a part of me that's like, oh, okay, this is going to suck. But I know how to not panic. Um, I, I, I think I have some tools that will help me show up well um and so that was the stuff i needed to trust and then i reached out for support and i walk and live and do business in a community of social justice warriors and activists um and uh and i was lucky because i i had people who believed in me who didn't expect me to be perfect ever um who were willing to support me in what we started, which was uh, a restorative justice approach to me being accountable and also being accountable to my community. So this was a community accountability process because this was happening publicly and I was a very big fish in a very small pond. Um, so this was public, you know, I, my brothers didn't really know about it unless they were on Facebook, but like in the sex ed community, this was a big fucking deal. Yes, it was. Um, and for me, like with great power comes great responsibility, you know, with great privilege comes great responsibility. And so like, I wanted to, to do a good job um, as a child of an alcoholic. I'm all about doing a good job. <laughs> I didn't want mommy and daddy to be fighting and now my community was being torn apart in certain ways and picking sides. And I was like, no, like, let's not do it this way. And we put together a restorative justice process, which has a lot of, um, there's a lot of people in my communities that really believe in these processes. What does that mean? Restore, and you said restorative justice-based accountability process. What does that mean? Yeah. So, so then this is where I tell people, go to the blog. Yeah. Because and the, the blog final... is phenomenal. It, it's basically the whole process is transparent. So go to the blog for the details and it will be details. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and for me, How like, do you want I, to describe it? <laughs> well, yeah. So this is where it's tricky because I'm not an expert in these things. And I'm not positioning myself as an expert in these things. Um, Roger that. And, and I can say that what restorative justice is for me is when somebody says that, let me do it this way. So 
because concepts don't really help when something's happening and your fear brain is reacting. So, so the way I would say it is <clears throat> if, if anyone ever accuses you of harm, say, thank you, please tell me more. Nice. And why this response is so important to anchor and kind of be your, um, for the entrepreneurs, it's like customer service. When somebody complains, you don't argue with your customer. You say, oh my goodness, tell me more. Like, how do I help? Right. Um, so with survivors, like when survivors speak up, most survivors have never had anyone say thank you like genuinely say thank you and invite them to say more, right? Usually it's we defend, we deflect, we minimize, we explain. Um, and that's a fear-based situation. Like I want to be a good person. Yes. You know, I, wanted to, I want to have done the right thing. So please let me explain why my intention yes. was not and I could relate to that. I mean, I could relate to that and, and of that, that, that knee jerk wanting to defend, even in my, you know, relationship with my husband, you know, is, you know, I could feel, you know, and sometimes I do it, but I, I, I it's better when I don't, <laughs> I could feel the wanting to explain versus just shut the fuck up and listen and yeah. then ask for more, you know, details and just, you know, um, Yes. So that's my little, you know, day, day to day sort of what I'm taking away from what you're saying from, a, you know, a very big application. Yeah. And so, so the pause, thank people, ask for more information. Um, and then there's the next phase or piece of like owning, owning your part in it. Uh, regardless of what you think about the other person's interpretation or take on it. Because until you get this piece, you can't go into a restorative justice or making amends. And the owning your part in it, the piece that, that helps is if you learn your intention is separate from the impact. I didn't intend to, um, everyone always uses the example, step on your foot. <laughs> like oh you step on on the foot of the person in, behind you in starbucks like let's <laughs> example how about i didn't intend to um to hit you with my car your intentions don't they're they're important maybe later but right now they are not what's needed it's the you deal with the impact and and when you can figure that piece out and start to show up what happens next is how do I help make things better if that's even possible? And this is where I think restorative justice as an approach, I did not invent restorative justice. It has been around for thousands of years. Um, indigenous cultures have been using restorative justice approaches and queer culture have been using restorative justice approaches. Um, and that is basically how do you take responsibility and take effective action in making amends. And then there's a piece of how do you, what do you need to learn and change so that what happened 
doesn't happen again? Like, how do you change your behaviors so that moving forward, the same harms don't keep happening? So there is a part of like, it's not just about me writing a check and, and, and making reparations. I need to change how I'm being to as much as we can guarantee to guarantee that these harms don't happen again. And how do I demonstrate these, that I've learned these lessons such that you and my community feel like I am, I'm safer. This is not about perfection because we can't be perfect. Um, but how do I demonstrate that I've changed so that one, hopefully I'm making amends to you so you feel somehow restored. Yes. It's not about going, it's not about going back in time. We can never reset the clock, but how do you feel restored if that's possible? But more, as important, a piece of this is how do I change so that you can sit there and be like, okay, the harms that I spoke up about at least won't happen to me again from this person or, or this person won't do those harms to other people. Like, and this is deep territory now. Yes. And that, that transformation piece is, is now where <clears throat> the idea of transformational justice, the way that I understand it, is what are the changes, not just that Reed can make, but how do we share and make changes in the community and in society such that these harms aren't even possible anymore? Like if, if we imagine everyone's best intentions and let's say that these harms are happening because of, of ignorance and um, we learned bad habits from culture, uh, not that I'm intentionally gaming the system for my own you know, uh, fun and profit, but like, how do we shift the things we need to shift in our community such that these harms aren't being perpetuated and, and passed on? And that's and the ultimate that's, goal. That's the ultimate that's, goal. That's transformational justice when people talk about the distinction between restorative and transformational. Restorative, the way that I understand it, is more individual and then transformational is how do we apply this in community so that this doesn't happen? And restorative justice and transformational justice, when you start looking it up, um, they have their roots um, in mo modern culture uh, around domestic violence and child abuse. That's where you'll, you'll run into resources that are dealing with it there. But these approaches, um, you know, in my community, we copy and pasted them into this yes. process. But like, leave it to you to be the guinea pig for applying it to the Me Too movement, you know, and to, um, and in particularly the sex educator or sex positive community. Leave mm -hmm. it to you, Reed. <laughs> I mean, okay, like, so even that phrase for me is tricky because um, yeah. this was not a one person operation you know, with all the people that came forward, like, and I really do, I am grateful for them. My, my friends are like, how are you grateful about this? Like you had to take a year off from work and I'm like, wait a minute, like, hang on, like you're looking at this wrong. I grew up in a family where no one told me the truth. My community 
told me the, their truth, I'm grateful and takes a whole lot of fucking bravery and courage for any survivor of anything to speak up. So like, yeah. that's, a, that's a gift. And yeah. this is where like the sooner anyone can start to realize that people telling you their truth, even if it is the biggest pain in your ass ever, um, like it is a gift. And the sooner you can arrive, it doesn't mean it's an easy gift to, to receive because most of what we see in society is people responding in ways that don't help. And, you know, the Me Too movement is filled with a lot of that where people diminish, they explain, they rationalize. And, you know, I would like to, to try to role model and try to encourage people to not and like believe survivors. So for me, when somebody says I harm them, I'm not going to get into a, a, a discussion about, well, what's your definition of harm? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, on a, on a scale from one to 10, how much harm did I really do? Like, it's they more They were like, hit with oh. your car and that's not, re- that's not refutable, refutable. <laughs> yeah. And then just as a relationship educator, like the ability to witness people, to leave them feeling seen and heard and, and that you give a flying fuck and to remain open, even when difficult information is being delivered to you, like that is a skill set that is useful in life everywhere you know and and role model that for your kids right like if you're a parent um so like so again like these principles like i'm i was lucky in that so much of my life was about all these tools and principles that are really really near and dear to me and now now we had a real life application of well now it's time to walk your talk motherfucker like Let's see now what it's you time got. Time to walk your talk, motherfucker. Yes, I, yes. Amen. Amen and, to that. And and it's scary. And no one wants to be shown that they could have done something better, and they were were doing something that might be harming people for years. Like, and and then this was the the journey into like, what did we need to learn, and what were my patterns. Um, this is where, you know, like the restorative justice part now is I stepped down from teaching, um, because we didn't know everything about right. what and you solicited, like part of the process was that you solicited more like you, you know, the, the, the process that you were a part of, and I'm trying to get my <clears throat> language, you know, mm-hmm. right. If that's possible, the process that you took part in. Part of it was soliciting, okay, who else? What, who else, you know, who else was harmed? You know, who else felt harmed? Please, we want to know, you know, Reed wants to know. Um, and I just, I just, it's just, it's quite a thing to, to read about on the blog and to, you know, to be connected to in any way. I just, yeah. I, yeah. And I applaud you for it. I know you're not going to want that because you don't want to, you know, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a piece where, um, so going into it, like applauding the easiest way to think about it. And, and again, like my support team, my, my accountability pod, um, which was made up of some amazing human beings. Um, they would all say it in different ways, but like the, 
the thing is you don't want to applaud people. Like it's basically to use the car analogy. It's like, let's applaud the person who actually stopped the vehicle when they hit somebody got out and checked on them and then dialed nine one one. Like, why are we applauding that? Like that's basic human decency. It's just not common. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yes. like how, how different would it have been if, and I'll use a political example and you can cut this out if you want. How, how different would it have been if Brad, if Brett Kavanaugh had just been like, holy shit, I, I don't remember that night and that's fucking horrible. And I am, I am so sorry for any part I had in that. Please tell me more. And then how do I make this better? Like that response would have been so different, you know, and if he was in, in, uh, during the interviews, you know, if, if certain people were, were trying to excuse him and he's like, no, time out. Like this is serious. Even though this happened so long ago, like, do you see how brave she's being? Like, I I don't know how to fix this, but yeah, I need everyone to know that this is fucked up and, and how do we make this better? Right. Like, like, that response would have been so would have been transformational and i understand in many ways why it's why we're not there yet and that's not an excuse that's a we have so much work to do yeah but at the same time around human beings and behavior if you i knew about restorative justice and i had friends who were experts in this um more informed than me who did this as a living, like, so I knew what to ask for. If you don't know what's really hard to know what to ask for and what to initiate, and this is why support is so important. And when it comes to harm and, and misconduct and things like that, especially for me as somebody who's a, a big fish in a small pond with all these privileges and benefits of just being a, a charismatic white guy, this is why it is so important to listen to voices that aren't echo chambers of yourself. Yes. This is why it's important to listen to voices that are not echo chambers of yourself. Thank you. I, I love, and it, it's really um, phenomenal. This conversation is phenomenal for this platform of get fucking real. And, and we're, we're talking about people coming forward, telling their truth. Um, we're, we're talking about people receiving other people's truths and, this and each time these truths are told and people are getting real about their experience and getting real about receiving other people's experiences like to me Mm -hmm. there's this upward spiral that happens for our society for our culture for you know for whatever community that we claim to you know that we claim we're a part of there you know whether it's our family like whatever whatever um culture that we can identify with to me it's it's it it's all, all good like the, the 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 telling of the truth the receiving of the truth uh, you know it's all good and 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 it is the part of this mission of the show is to really just honor that transformation honor the telling of the truth honor honor that that when we do tell our truth it ultimately serves everyone, even if it fucking sucks, even if it's hard to hear, even, 
you know, you know, all of that. So like, I, I, there's just so much that's represented in you sharing your story, um, you educating um, us about restorative justice, even though you're not an expert, um, and being here so close to, you know, when this happened to you, you know, part of what I always ask guests is sort of like, you know, what are the key lessons you learned and how do you feel like this is serving you in, in what is your mission still as a sex geek, you know, how is this serving you going forward? And you may not even know that yet. You know, you may have some glimpse, you know, you're here, you're talking about restorative justice. You told me that was something that was really important to you. Um, that we, we can trust that this is part of your divine plan, that this is going to somehow feed into, you know, how you're going to hold space and, and be, you know, read and, you know, in the future, do you, do you have glimpses? Do you, or do you, you just don't even want to go there right now? Like where, where are you with that? I mean, it's, it's hard, right? Because I'm also a marketing nerd. And so there's this like, Oh, what's the angle? What's the product? What's the, what's the, the freemium for, for this. Um, and, and I think this is where, I need to pause and just be very cautious and thoughtful about the impulses that helped me be successful might also not be what's needed for survivors. So now I'm in this weird and I'm, I'm having a lot of conversations with very, very smart people about like, well, what's, what is appropriate for me to do next? How do I add to that spiral mm -hmm. that you're, you're, you're talking about? Um, and being able to, to trust and be patient that there will be a kind of clarity yes. that then that also checks out with my mentors because <laughs> now I'm bouncing things off of people. Like I was always having conversations with people who did not look like me about my career but I also realize, like, not everybody is in a position for themselves to tell you their truth. Yes. And that is not a kind of, I'm not victim blaming. It's a, oh, I understand now power differentials a little bit differently. So me just being nice and telling people, please tell me what's, what's bothering you, doesn't mean people tell me, everything that's bothering them. What I can do is I can hire people to tell me the truth, to tell me the uncomfortable stuff where it's their job to, to be brutally honest with me. And, and I can hire people that I make sure that don't look like me. Like, yes. so for the entrepreneurs out there, like, like, are you hiring, you know, women of color, trans folk, like people, you know, do you have anybody that that's mentoring you who's disabled, whether it's visibly or not? Like, like, are you getting advice and feedback and perspectives of people that are just not like, and this is where it gets really uncomfortable because when you hire people to tell you what you're, you could be doing better, they will tell you. <laughs> and now you now you're in this place of oh shit like you know my 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 business retreat for sex educators i have a, a lovely human being who's like okay so you have it in your faq about special needs that's not a word that 
you know, in disability justice we use anymore. And, and more importantly, here's why. It's not, not just about changing that phrase. It's about me understanding why there's a better phrase to use so that I'm becoming more intersectional in how I see the world, which makes my shit better. Mm-hmm. Like, so if, if, if you're sitting there listening and watching and you want to be the best human being you can, it's not just the kind of discomfort for going to the gym or sitting in an ice bath for eight minutes in the morning. I'm talking about identity politics and that kind of discomfort. You, you think doing, you know, ab crunches <laughs> sucks. Like how about you fucking go to the gym of your identity and fucking just start like tearing shit apart. Like, but I tell you like what I've learned in the last year and what I will continue to learn around power differentials and how that impacts consent. Like that just makes me a better man. And, and, you know, and then for me as a slut, like I want to get laid on recommendation. I want you to, I want somebody (laughs) to sit with me and be like, holy shit, I need to send my friends to you. You want a good Yelp review? (laughs) Yeah. But it's not about cookies or, or, or getting awards. It's about, no, I want people to feel so safe with me and I want to give such excellent customer service. I know I can rest easier knowing that I really am doing the best I, that I can. Um, but also that I have skill sets so that when I do fuck up, my reputation is also not just my knee jerk reflex, but my reputation is that I will show up. I will not be trying to get off the hook on this because I'm genuinely interested and I'm not always going to get it right, but I'm genuinely interested. It is, it is in, integral to me and congruent to my values that no, like that's, I will stop the car. I will get out and I will, I will make sure you get to the hospital. And then I will fucking take, I will stop driving for a little while and figure out like, what can I be a better driver? Nice. Like, and again, like in the me too movement, we just don't see men doing that. And so hopefully you know, not everybody who is a part of my process is happy. Not everybody feels restored. Um, so that sucks because I feel horrible about that. But, you know, hopefully we have an example of a different way of addressing being accused that, that reduces harm in the response. Um, and help hopefully makes the world a better place and and helps survivors and and others feel restored to whatever degree that they can um, feel better rather than worse. Um, And that maybe my process helps somebody else either ask for a restorative justice process or, or when they're accused or like, Hey, I don't know what this is going to take, but there's this model that I'm wondering if, if you would be willing to engage in this way. Um, so then from a human perspective, when we have some ideas on certain kinds of structures, and this is not a checklist of how to, how to get off the hook, um, when we have some ideas on how to respond, now we, maybe we can respond in ways that, that are more appropriate, reduce harm rather than create harm. Um, and then leave the campsite better than we found it. Um, 
And that's ultimately like, I hope that that, if that's my legacy, if that's my legacy, that, that people have more, have a better choice to consider. And, and if my legacy is that we, we also, you know, cause I have this deep need to, to do a good job. If, if we have one example of a, of a white guy in some position of power, just being kind and trying to do the right thing, like, I'll be fine with that. Like, that's a good legacy to have. Nice. I think that's a, a great place to, um, to, to begin closing up because ultimately get fucking real is about living a life without regrets. And what inspired me to, to launch this platform was knowing that if I didn't have a place that I could share and speak my truth and, and, and share all of these stories of all these amazing people. Like I have, you know, a, a list with amazing stories of people that I personally know and have gotten to interact with. Like that, if I didn't have that, 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 that would, that would be a regret like that, that would be a end of life, which could be next week, you know, regret for me. And so I think ending with you sharing like, okay, right now where this, where this experience is right now, if that's my legacy, if, 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 if it's just, if it just pauses here and we don't know where the trajectory is of how this really is going to um, integrate into your blessing, you know, in a bigger way, if, it, if we just stop right here and this is my legacy, um, I think that's a beautiful, a beautiful place to, to underscore what you shared. Um, and I really appreciate it. Thanks, Lisa. <sighs> Let me just see if there's anything else I want to ask you about or connect him with before we wrap up. If you have um, one piece of advice for somebody who is going through a wormhole in a similar vein of being confronted in a way that in a way where they felt like they were the expert or they felt like or they feel like they shouldn't have the struggle or the situation because of everything they should know what 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 is like the most important piece of advice you can give somebody who just is feeling very confronted by their circumstances and it's causing a lot of doubt in them about, am I on the right path? Am I supposed to be doing this? Maybe I should just go get a job at Starbucks. <laughs> right. That's where we all go. That's where we all go. It's like, can I just, Starbucks. You know, I'm just going to be a barista because this is true. This it's is all true. about caffeine. Being a mission. Yeah, it is true. Um, being a mission driven <laughs> entrepreneur, it, you know, we, we think going into it, it's just, you know, it is, it is an upward trajectory, but it, I have found it is, it is about these wormholes that catapult us out into a new future that, and, and it sucks when we're in it. And so uh, we have these barista moments. I, I know you all can relate. <laughs> um, yeah. I just wanted to kind of give you a chance to check in and see if there was something um, that you wanted to share to that, to that person. That's a great question. Um, there's like eight different plates spinning that I want to pick up and talk about. Um, I would say, that your ability 
to feel comfortable with discomfort. Um, our need to try to make things comfortable, like, ah, I don't like what you just told me. I'm going to explain myself and try to get you to change your, your opinion. Like that's a need to make something comfortable. I'm going to explain my intentions so that you know I'm a good person. Like that's a need to, to make something comfortable. Um, I, I didn't mean, I'm not a racist, you know, when we get called out for, for a racist behavior. Um, <clears throat> so there's some, there's some things you can do to be like, oh, so when you say that, that my organization is a white supremacist organization, I actually understand what that means. It's run by a white guy. I call all the shots, it, you know, like, but, but you're not saying I'm a Nazi kind of a thing. Like, like, but I can feel uncomfortable and then just sit in it and ask you to tell me more. Now that's a skill, a skill being it. That, that that's that should, skill. You're, we should foster the skill of being able to sit with being uncomfortable. Because when that becomes your knee jerk response on a good day, on a bad day, I'm still just a fucking human being. But on a good day when my Kung Fu is well honed and somebody surprises me, my, my response is fear, but also curiosity. Or now I'm making moose ears, right? <laughs> so, so I'm like, ah, but I'm like, ooh, cool. We're uncomfortable now. Being able to sit in that space, that's where I think, that's where the shit is. The flow yeah. is never about comfort. Right. Or ease. Like you are in a place now because somebody else is contributing that you've now stepped into a place. And if you can sit in it, there's fucking magic there. That's what I was going to say. Magic. Yes. There's <clears throat> magic there. That that's that skill. If you can develop it and for like, let's call it um, uncomfortable flow or discomfort flow or like hashtag, <laughs> whatever, right? Like your ability <laughs> to slip into your <laughs> your ability to slip into that place and stay in it. That I think is actually the point. Yes. Now you don't stay in it forever. You have to like, you have to crawl out of it and then fucking, you know, take a vacation or get a massage or like their self care. But if we are truly going to change, change society and change culture and leave this planet better, I'm imagining that the people who are listening, who are inspired by this podcast are not, their, their <clears throat> mission driven value is not keep the world the same. Right. <laughs> and the things that need to change on this planet for us to still have a planet, for us to leave the, the campsite better than we found it seven generations later, like that is not gonna be comfortable. And so my, my invitation, my challenge to the audience, my uh, uh, request is, is like, how uncomfortable are you willing to get? How fucking real are you willing to get? Even if getting real means you have to reconsider your entire identity. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Reed Mahalko. You're welcome. Thanks, Lisa. If you want to know about the process that Reed went through, um, it's called Restorative and Transformative Justice-Based Accountability. 
And we have a link to the blog in the show notes and you really get the nitty gritty and you can see the structure. And I, for one, am super grateful that there is something like this, um, that people that really truly want to listen um, to feedback they're getting and question everything they know about themselves and move through a process that helps them to up level. I'm so grateful um, to those that are practicing restorative justice in, in all the different fields and industries and applications that it can be. Um, Reed also has some awesome, free, very valuable content um, on his website, including um, a difficult conversation formula, which I think is very appropriate, and some other goodies. Um, also link in our show notes. And on a lighter note, can't have a sex expert on your show without getting some instruction, right? And some insight and expertise. So for our GFR squad members, we have some exclusive content with Reed. And thank God this, <laughs> thank God video is included for our members because you, I think your life is not complete until you see a vulva puppet. So one of the segments Reed talks about is what is Spock's favorite sex move? And that is where you will see his vulva puppet. <laughs> um, we also talk about the secret to a successful threesome. And you will find out if I have ever had a threesome. And we talk about porn literacy, which I think is very important. And also, um, it's very enlightening. It's like uh, this, how, how, how Photoshop uh, is to the reality of what photos are is porn literacy to the reality of what we see in porn. So go check out that juicy content. If you're a squad member, it's probably up and ready for you. And if you're interested in joining us on the squad quad to talk about uh, successful threesomes and Spock's favorite sex move and any GFR moments related to those things, um, please check out our membership. It is a smoking deal. And uh, I'd love for you to be in community with us and in this conversation with us on a regular basis. So check that out in our show notes as well. All right. Bye, y'all. See you next time.